Welcome back for another episode of the Happy at Work podcast with Laura, Tessa, and Michael. Each week, we have thoughtful conversations with leaders, founders, and authors about happiness at work. Tune in each Thursday for a new conversation. Enjoy the show. everybody. Welcome to the Happy at Work podcast. Hey, Tess. Hey, Michael. Hey. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Good, good. good. I'm excited for this. Me too. So we're going to do something a little different today, right? We're going to have more of a conversation between the three of us. And we're going to focus, though, on gratitude. And I think this is the time of year, right? Where you see lots of, right? <laughs> we see lots of statistics around how important it is to be grateful and to have practice gratitude. And we just thought this would be a good topic for us to discuss. So we're going to cover it in a couple of ways. We're going to talk about a little bit of statistics. We're going to talk a little bit of some of our examples of uh, guests we've had that have been, that we're pretty particularly grateful for, and then um, do a little exercise. So love should it. we jump in? I love it. And you know, what's interesting is um, we have been doing the podcast podcast for now almost a year. So I'm grateful for that. That's amazing. So can't wait to reflect. Yeah, so I'm, amazing. I'm grateful you remembered. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of crazy how time flies, doesn't it? Isn't it? It's just like, how did that just happen? Oh, yeah. Amazing. So just a couple just to get us kind of warmed up just a couple um, statistics on gratitude. So one of them, um, I think the connection between gratitude and depression and stress. So employees who experience more gratitude at work report fewer depressive symptoms and lower stress. So that connection between your emotions, that connection between then, of course, your physical self, right, with stress. It, you know, uh, Laura, it's funny you mentioned that. It's absolutely true, but I actually had the, the opposite. I retired uh, when I was 36 years old, and that's when I got depressed because mm -hmm. I lost my meaning and purpose. Um, I was treatment resistant to, you know, the drugs that the doctor was giving me. And what really helped was a gratitude journal to say, look how much you already have. Because I was such a type A person it was easy for me to be like, okay, done, finished in the rearview mirror. What's there to look forward to? And I never sat back and looked at all the good that I had or that I had done. And it really helped me much more than an antidepressant to be like, yeah, uh, my life's pretty good. Yeah. It's and that I, kind of more, more, more feeling, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was just going to say, and I think um, what you bring up, Michael, is is that practice. And I think there's certain practices we have in our lives. We I get up and I I try to exercise or move every day, right? Because I know it's good for my health and it's good for my heart and allows me to eat what I want to eat. But when we think about other practices that are good for our mental health and our well-being, that gratitude journaling, it sounds like it's so easy, but why is it so hard for us to actually do that practice every single day? So um, you know, I, I can't wait to talk about some of our reflections with our guests, because I know we had a few guests that actually spoke to that in particular. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that. And Tessa, to your point about, you know, I'm kind of lazy with the, the writing. Uh, I actually do two 
gratitude exercises every day that I'd like to share with the audience. The first one is I walk my dog at 530 in the morning and I just do, you know, what are three good things that happened in the last 24 hours? And it's usually like a good night's sleep or something like that. And then at night, uh, after work is done, I actually go through my day backwards because I can remember everything I did by by linking it backwards. And I just say, you know, what am I grateful for in that experience? And the list ends up being pretty long, even on a bad day, there's some good stuff going on. I, I love the walking. That's a really cool thing to combine those ideas of walking the dog. Cause right. You have to, at least we walk our dog every day. Um, and that time of just kind of separating, you know, walking down the path or walking down the street is a great time to combine that, you know, putting those two habits together. That's a great combination. So there's a, a cool statistic on gratitude journaling. Regular gratitude journaling has been shown to result into 5 to 15% increase in optimism, which makes sense, and then 25% increase in sleep quality. So which, right? should be the prescription for every perimenopausal woman. Exactly. <laughs> perimenopausal, during menopause, you know, like seriously, it's a big deal. That's 25%. That's better than probably any Ambien you could prescribe, right? Like seriously, if you think about it, that's unbelievable. That's amazing. That sounds like two hours of better sleep every night. Yeah. That's a big deal. You know, gratitude, there's a, um, we tend to think about the idea of gratitude with people who um, already kind of practice well-being and have high well-being, but there's another cool study that shows um, when people who are struggling with mental health, when you combine gratitude with counseling, you get a much better result. And I thought that that was a cool study. They did a pretty well designed from a methodology, methodological perspective. Um, but they found that people who had gratitude journaling plus counseling had better mental health after four weeks, after 12 weeks and after three months. So, and it seems to kind of stay with you. So to your point of combining things, you know, maybe it's the ambient plus the gratitude. Then you can sleep all day. That's <laughs> exactly. And I love the fact that you're, you can still listen to your doctor, take the uh, the medicine that they feel is in your best interest. This can add on and it doesn't interfere with their work. And I've never heard of a negative side effect about saying, what are three good things that happened in the last day? It's, no. it's good. <laughs> Completely agree. Hey, you want to shift gears and talk a little bit about um, some of our guests? So who, who wants to start about, you know, guests that stand out for you? So I will start because there's one guest that I think really did a beautiful job talking about the importance of recognition and gratitude in the workplace. And that was Steve Pemberton from Work Human. Do you remember yes. that conversation? He's amazing. And um, Michael, I think you showed his um, his movie in your class, right? The movie of his life? Won, yeah, I believe it won an Academy Award and I was <laughs> at, at school. And uh, I did assign his movie and it was just, just amazing that the guy survived what he did. Yeah, seriously. Right. And, and then to recognize the importance of really, you know, talking about having that growth mindset to be able to really realize that it's not your circumstances or any, you know, kind of intelligence or anything else that you're born into, but it's really, you have the ability to make decisions, to learn, to grow, to change your, your circumstances and to really thrive and flourish in your 
life. And um, it just, he was incredibly inspiring. And again, at the center of of his um, his work that he talked about was gratitude as, as being one of the centerpieces of that. And when he was a guest speaker in our class, I remember just like the resilience that he had was such a difficult childhood, like literally growing up in a locked basement with a box of books. Um, and he has he has a wife and kids and, and they look like a happy family. And I asked him, I said, how did you learn how to love? Mm. He almost cried. Because wow. can you imagine like how difficult it would be to have healthy relationships right. when your childhood was like just so challenging? It's an amazing story. Amazing. How about you, Laura? Who was who was so, one of your favorite guests? You know, I was thinking about this and kind of thinking back. I have such a tendency to really connect and like get excited about people who are kind of talking conceptual ways or that are like authors or, you know, that are talking about big systems and how do we change them and all these really cool research studies. That is my like go-to. That's how I, I think want to think and, and tend to think. And um, as I think back though, I really think the, the people who we've had who are actually in the work who are doing this on a day-to-day basis are the ones I go, oh yeah. I mean, that's how, that's how this is going to really happen where we have better places to work, right? Where people are feeling more of a sense of well-being and feeling happier at work is when the practices are changing um, and people are changing systems within their, within their organization. So I, I think back on some of the people who just authentically are digging in and doing the day-to-day work. So Jay Tooley, the CEO of Leader Bank, is one of the people who comes to mind for me because he just is, he's authentic and he's like completely a systems thinker and he's doing this in real ways. Like um, he has these different Um, breakout groups that they do quarterly where they have leaders who take different parts of the organization. They're randomly assigned 40 people and they all are talking about a particular topic and learning about it together. And, you know, they're very intentional about meeting each other and learning and that that's important for their culture. So that's just one example. He has lots of others, but to me, it's the people who are really in it. That's, that's who I appreciate. You know, Laura, to, to to tag onto that, the people that are really in it, uh, we had, when we first started doing the podcast, one of our first guests was the co-founder of Moderna, Dr. Bob Langer, during COVID. Gosh. Like, they, they, they were literally just rolling out. By the way, Michael, how did we get him to be our first guest on the podcast? <laughs> how one lucky of my undergrad me. students cold emailed him. <laughs> He's the most amazing networker. And... Yeah, there's yeah. a lot to be said for cold emailing and cold I mean, LinkedIn. It um, it works. My son was, does it all the time. I was <laughs> shocked, but it was so cool to to look at this guy who literally could conceivably have the world on his shoulders. And and I remember asking the burnout question, like, you know, how many people are burning out? You know, how many people are quitting? And he's like, none and none. And I'm like, why? And he just had the most amazing answer. And he's like, we hire for meaning and purpose. And when COVID came out, everyone jumped on board and said, this is an opportunity to do our life's mission. And I was like, wow. I mean, just imagine just hiring people for meaning and purpose. It just prevents so many issues that come after that. Like you don't have to buy them free lunch or a ping pong table. It's like hire the right people to begin with that really want to do whatever work it is you have for them. 
And I thought, what an amazing hiring practice. <laughs> you know, and connecting them to the meaning and purpose. That was another thing Jay Tooley has, has told me is that during the during COVID for PPP, um, you know, assigning PPP to different companies to keep them, you know, going. That's what they, his employees were staying up and doing all this really hard work. And they were so proud of how they helped save these small businesses from going under. And people were, you know, felt that emotional connection to that. They weren't quitting and being pissed off about it because they just understood how important it was. And it just reminded me of what you were, what you were saying, Michael. Well, and what's so interesting about um, kind of the topic of finding meaning in work and, and that connection to purpose, I've been doing a lot of research lately on the differences between Generation Z, who's under the age of about 26 years old right now, 10 to 26 years old, and then younger millennials who are about 26, 27 years old to 41. And the differences between them and their Gen X parents and boomer grandparents. And what we're finding is that one of the biggest drivers for Gen Z right now. So if you're an employer who's trying to figure out Gen Z and what do they want in the workplace, it's actually not compensation or pay or fantastic health benefits, which by the way, that's what Gen X and boomers still want. It's actually about the fact that they want to understand how their daily work connects to the purpose of the organization and are they making an impact? So that connection to purpose, that connection to can they can they draw the line from what they're doing in their job to how it's impacting the customer, the client, how it has an impact on society? What what's the big picture in, in the kind of web of um, of work that they're involved in uh, is really the biggest driver. That and, and wanting to be on this like continuous learning journey in their careers and and wanting to continue to understand what are the skills they can learn to not just help them in their current job, but also think about the future of their career. Those are the driving forces of of, uh, what's driving Gen Z and what keeps them uh, at a company. So it's it's really important research that really does talk about that meaning and purpose piece being uh, really important. I was just talking with some managers yesterday. I was doing a workshop with managers yesterday and I was talking to them exactly what you were talking about. And there's just this simple exercise called line of sight. It's a line of sight exercise where a manager can sit with an employee and just say, okay, let's talk about what you do and how it connects to our team. Now let's talk about how what our team does and connects to the department. Now let's talk about what our department does and how it connects to what the company's doing. And it sounds like so obvious, but a lot of times people haven't had those conversations or they don't, they just don't have as much information as maybe the manager does to see how it all comes together. And those line of sight exercises are so powerful because people start to see, wow, I make a difference here, right? I really, I matter to this organization. And I think it can be a real practical, easy thing to, relatively easy thing to do. Absolutely. So Michael, do you have another guest that you particularly loved? Yeah, you know, uh, Atmar Zafnauer, when we interviewed him, He was the CEO of Aston Martin. Now he's moved over to being the CEO of Alpine. And he just told an amazing story of when he had worked at Ford that, you know, another department wanted to hire him. And his his first boss said, no, you're my best. What would happen if I lost my best? And there was some internal stuff that happened. And Otmar got to go to the new department. And he said to his boss, um, you know, I heard that you promote people up and out really quickly. Why? 
why is that? And he goes, oh yeah, I'm the complete opposite of what most people do, including your former manager. And it's because if I promote you up and out, I have a line of 10 people that want to work for me. I have zero shortage on talent. I have more people that want to work for me than I have room for. And when he said that, I thought that makes such sense when you explain it, but it's not intuitive. And the current generations, especially the the younger ones, um, if they don't have growth opportunities, they leave and they don't wait. They're, they're out the door. And I think to take Otmar's advice that promote these people up and out, of course, within the organization, if that's possible, then you're going to get better work out of them. You're going to have more people coming. You're not going to have this resignation reshuffle issue. And people are going to give better work. And it's just really amazing. And it's so simple. Like people want to grow, help them grow. And they're going to want to be with you. I just thought so simple and I wish more people would do it. And I, and I hope they do from listening to this podcast. Yeah. And it's also about connecting, you know, you think about you spend all this time as a company thinking about what am I going to do to bring value to the customer? What does the customer care about? How does it matter to the customer? You know, how am I providing the best service to the customer? And so few companies understand that if you actually focused on your people and thought of them, I think, Michael, you mentioned this, uh, I saw you mentioned this in a talk yesterday, but if you actually think about your employees almost as your customers as well, right? What do they need? How do you bring value to them? How do you think about the fact that they are working probably upwards of half their lives and spending half their lives doing this type of work. And so what value can you bring to them and how can you help them with that work-life integration? And being able to do that will just provide so much, not just meaning in their work, but it also will spill over to the impact on the customers, right? Because happy employees equal happy customers. That correlation definitely exists. So, Yeah. And so few companies, I feel like understand what their employees value. And I've actually, I've done a couple of those kinds of employee value proposition studies before, and it actually varies from company to company. There's, there are different things that kind of rise to the top and there aren't, I don't see a lot of companies really understanding that for their organization, what matters the most, you know, and are we, how well are we doing against those things that matter the most? And Laura, to that point, uh, yesterday, uh, Tess and I were teaching our executive ed course at Harvard called Harvard Positive Workplace. And we've just been really amazed and, and grateful for the students that have come. Most of them are U.S. government agencies, and they really want to make things better. But it's it's really interesting. They And a lot of people do this. They sort of do mind reading, like, oh, what do, what do, what do the workers want? Let's try this. Right. And that was when I made the comment about if you treated them like a customer and asked them, <laughs> what would you like to make it better here? And Completely. could we actually do that? And it's just so simple. Uh, and I just find that for some reason, people don't ask. If you have psychological safety in your organization and can have a candid conversation and say, what's one thing that you realistically would like to have that I could realistically maybe implement? Uh, let's give it a shot. Let's have a brainstorming session. So I, I just think so many of this, so much of this can be fixed with simple solutions that don't cost much money. Yeah, completely agree. So let, let's do this last part of our conversation, Michael. You want to lead us a, in a bit or explain the exercise that you've done around gratitude and maybe we can do part of it or some of it together. 
Sure. Uh, I, I mean, I had the great privilege of studying under uh, Martin Seligman, who is like the inventor of positive psychology at Penn. And my capstone thesis project was about positive interventions or exercises that you can use at work. And I went to Penn during COVID. So I wanted to make sure that all my interventions were free, only took a few minutes, could be done in person or digitally. So we're going to be doing a Zoom one. And it's really simple that when a Zoom meeting starts, it always takes about at least two, three minutes for people to, to dribble in. So as people come in, you just ask them, what's one thing that you're grateful for in the last week? So they have more, uh, more to pull on. And it can go in three rounds. So you do something big, you know, like my loving family, something medium, like I washed my car and it's shiny. Uh, and then something small, like, oh, the cup of coffee uh, was really good this morning. So we're going to go uh, in a circle. We're, we'll start with Tessa and we'll, we'll, we'll go in a circle of big. And then, we'll, then when Tessa starts again, we'll do a medium and then we'll do our last circle with a small. Tessa, okay. So I'm starting with um, a big gratitude. Yes. Okay. So, oh gosh, my big gratitude is um, I'm really grateful that my my boys, um, Brayden Max and my husband, Glenn, that everyone's healthy and thriving right now and doing well. I'm very grateful for where we are as a family right now and that everyone's doing well. Great. Laura? Mine's not too different. My kids are both coming. My son came home last night for Thanksgiving. My daughter comes home tonight. And it they're, it's really interesting once they've been away, right, that they have just, I mean, maybe it's only going to last like 24 hours, but just a little bit of a different like appreciation and positivity. And my son, like the hug he gave me last night was humongous. He didn't stop. Um, and just like hearing him singing in the shower this morning and just it's so good to be around them. Um, so that's, I think that's what I would say. Nice. I love it. And mine's going to be the opposite. I, I'm the child in my family and I'm grateful that both of my parents are doing really well, you know, physically and, and the whole health thing. Uh, my sister as well. And Christmas is by far my mom's favorite holiday. It's it's coming up soon. And I'm just grateful that we get to have a Christmas holiday that's going to be as that's great. We've never missed a year. Uh, I th I'll be going on my 56th one. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm grateful. <That's> so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now we're going to move into medium size, starting with Tessa. So medium size, I would say I'm, um, I'm, I'm grateful for, gosh, I don't know, like, I don't, I guess I'm trying to think about how to scale medium because I know. <laughs> um, uh, I'm grateful that uh, we're coming up on the Thanksgiving holiday and that I'm going to have a little time off to be with my family that my son's coming home from NYU and um, then we'll be able to be together for a few days next week that kind of uninterrupted, just family time. It'll be fun. Excellent. Laura. So if we're sort of saying within this week, I'm going to throw in that I'm grateful for the Happy at Work podcast team because we got to get together. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's been really interesting to be part of this team and we hadn't, we hadn't met in person until just this past weekend. And I just feel sort of this renewed sense of like connection with you all and with excitement about what we're doing um and just grateful that you know we're we do this stuff together and we get to be around each other and learn together and hopefully you know keep this going so i'm grateful for you all and 
I'm going to switch mine to, to, to last weekend when we did all get to meet together. And uh, what I'm grateful for is that when we came up with our, the things that we value as a group, I, I've never seen values like this in other organizations. And they just made me feel so good. And the one that I want to share that I really, really liked is that we are connected as a we, not a me. And we've committed to promoting each other's you know, private initiatives as if they were our own. Like Tessa just had a book published by The Economist. And, and I want to promote it and tell people, you know, go out and buy the book. And it's because I want her to do well. And when I need something, I know it's going to come back, but it feels better to be a we than a me. So I'm grateful for that. I love that. Okay. So now it's our micro gratitude. Yes. Okay. I feel like you guys had really good medium gratitudes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to, I want to redo. I, I, but I am grateful. My son's coming home. Um, okay. So my micro gratitude is I'm really grateful that I had an incredibly busy week, but I'm really grateful that I got up at five o'clock this morning and went to my boot camp class and was Job able to get a good workout in and, uh, and it kind of kicks off the weekend in a, in a good way. So big, I'm grateful. I have the ability to do that, but I was grateful. I actually got up this morning and did it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I'm always torn about just coffee in general is my, <laughs> <laughs> you know, tends to be my little one, but I think I'll just do hot shower because you all know the the story of how I grew up. A hot shower, I did not have access to hot showers when I was growing up, which is a whole other conversation. But I had quite a nice long hot shower this morning, and it felt awesome. I, I love that. And my micro is yesterday. I walked my dog at five a.m. It's totally dark out, and the birds were singing. And the stars were still out. Mm. It was so cool. Was that just, is awesome. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's well, it. this has been so much fun um, having this kind of conversation with you all. And so I hope we keep that going. And I just hope everybody who's listening out there um, that, you know, you think about gratitude in maybe a little bit of a different way. And it's one of those things that we know we should be doing, but it's really easy and it makes a huge difference. Makes a Absolutely. huge difference. And we're grateful for our audience that we've been able to do this a year and hopefully for many years to come. Thank you. Good. And hopefully one day we get to meet you all because we like to see people in person. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> That'd be awesome. fabulous. Thank you. Well, thanks so much, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to hear future episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Happy at Work podcast and leave us a review with your thoughts. Are you interested in speaking on a future episode or want to collaborate with us? Let us know. You can send us an email at admin at happyatworkpodcast.com. And lastly, follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter for even more happiness. See you soon.